we are with episode 006 of Flipping Tables, our seventh episode. I'm Mike Edwards. I'm David Lyons. And we have with us today my brother, Justin Edwards. Hi, guys. So today, uh, so Justin, we're excited to have you on this because uh, apparently you made a film. Very apparently, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, I did. What's up with that? Oh, uh, boy. I guess it's just uh, one of those life things where there's something you want to do, so you go try and do it and see what happens. And so this is, is it the end of this month or the beginning of next month that it, it comes out? Uh, the Both. No, just the <laughs> end of this week. Uh, it's Saturday, actually. So, And is it, so, okay, so I'm, I'm not as close to the project as Mike is, so tell me all about it. Okay. Uh, great question. <laughs> Thank you. Check my notes. How did, it, how did it start? How did how did this idea? What is it? Yeah. What's it no. called? Who are you? I, Why do I we care? It, I, I made a film. It's called Detective, 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 and uh, it's about these three brothers who kind of haven't seen each other in a while. Um, I would call them estranged. Uh, um, getting together, kind of for like a reunion. We called it a bro union, and uh, <laughs> they get together to play a live-action role-playing game. So LARPing? Uh, LARPing, yes. <laughs> um, but like, not like the fantasy kind, but more like the mystery, how to host a murder, like Clue. Oh, yeah. I've actually, I did one of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so it's just kind of like watching them play the game, but also kind of get to know each other again because they hadn't seen each other in years. All right. And it, it takes place in Alaska and like on location in the wilderness. So it was a lot of fun to shoot up there. That was our top choice of location. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Were there other considerations or was it Alaska or bust? It was Alaska or bust. And, uh, it, it kind of just arose from opportunity and, um, there was an opening to take advantage of it. We said, all right, put it on a calendar. Let's go shoot a movie. <laughs> it was like, we'll figure out the story. We just know this fall. It just going ha- to Alaska. has to happen there. Yeah, there was no story. <laughs> it, it, the movie existed before there was a script. So <laughs> since we have no money, we're going to have a very small cast. And Fair enough. <laughs> use nature. as. <laughs> so what? what's the opening like? Is it... Are you doing a film festival or theaters straight to VHS? Yeah, we are. Uh, basically, this weekend serves as kind of like our official cast, crew, family, friend screening. And uh, since it's finally done, then we're going to hit the festival circuit and just kind of cross our fingers for a year and see what happens. Very cool. And actually, you're going to that, aren't you, Mike? Yeah, I'm flying out Thursday. Yes. The, I, I assume this will be in... The Chinese theater in L.A. <laughs> yeah, red carpet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Pretty close. Cool. Um, and my, Michael here, my brother, actually helped me write the scripts and um, also did all the music for me. So, I don't know. I, well, hey, Benji did, did some music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a collaborator. I, right? yeah. I mean, he's it, you know he he did the after mixing after you did all the writing and creative work. Yeah. So, um, is this your first, uh, like, big movie? Have you done stuff like this before? Yeah, it's kind of a, you know, when I was younger and dumber, I 
did make a feature film. Um, I shot a feature in about like a month back in Ohio. Just kind of like I was just out of film school and was like, hey, let's just use everything I learned and put it in a movie. Um, it, it ended up being kind of this silly improv documentary style um, mockumentary as a comedy. Right. Like Spinal and, uh, Tap. Or, yeah. Yeah. And this was in. Or most 2000. documentaries. <laughs> Yeah, uh, 2001. So that's the last feature film I've made was 13 years ago, uh, and then since then I've just I don't know what happened, but <laughs> I decided to make another one. A couple Africa trips, a couple. <laughs> so what yeah. what have you been doing in the meantime? Do you write or are you camera guy, key grip? Yeah, I uh, I live in LA and I'm freelance editing right now. And uh, it's going sw- swimmingly bad. That's, <laughs> if you can use swimmingly for the, the for, negative, yeah. uh, um, really hard to find work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. Wild horses have stopped me. Um, yeah, so I'm, that's kind of like. I quit my actual job to make this movie, and then I haven't found a job since then. You were in academic was... tech, right? Sort of. <laughs> uh, yeah, academic uh, marketing, okay. video production. Okay. Yeah, we we have a guy like that. <laughs> yeah, I was one of those guys. Uh, so that's that's kind of like. I mean, in the meantime, I was doing that to try to pay bills while it being in LA, trying to be a filmmaker. You know, making shorts, writing scripts. Aren't you supposed to um, wait tables? Ah, that's more of an actor thing. Ah, okay. (laughs) That's beneath Uh, writer-directors. So so the writer-directors are in academic technology. (laughs) The actors wait tables. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then uh, just kind of the perfect storm of, uh, you know, I I made a a short and a music video last year and was kind of building up, you know, this, like, group of creative people I like collaborating with. And I was like, hey, guys, let's just go do a feature and I'll get all my money together and see what we come up with. And uh, also, I happen to have a location in Alaska for three weeks. So it was just kind of like, sure, why not? <laughs> and uh, then Michael and I scrambled and wrote the script within like a week and a half or so. And then we were off to the races. The sure, why not uh, school of film <laughs> design. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, that's, that's very California startup culture. <laughs> So I have this idea for a movie. I have everything except the idea. <laughs> I think that's what it is. So um, I guess Alaska, you have family up there, right? That, that's why I do, you, you had a, a location secured, or was it something else? No, it was definitely a location. My uh, parents had just – actually, my dad just retired, and they built this really great log cabin out there in the woods and uh, down the road from my sister, who's up there too. And uh, they said they were actually going to be out of town for a few weeks. And I was like, that sounds like I should come make a movie then. (laughs) I'm so happy you guys are going on vacation. How can I benefit from this? (laughs) Exactly. Sums it up. Um, And so this all happened probably eight or nine weeks before we were going to shoot it, which... And if anybody knows anything about filmmaking, if you don't even have a script eight weeks out of shooting, you're an insane person. (laughs) Um, So that was my last summer, basically. It was in June. We started writing. We were shooting it the first week of August. Oh, so, yeah, your turnaround was just tiny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And I that's I quit my job, and even that wasn't enough time with twenty four seven pre production. You know, props, writing, casting, organizing, logistics. <laughs> I somehow ran a Kickstarter in there. That's true. Um, I remember uh, your Kickstarter campaign, which it's only a month, so I mean that's long closed now, right? Uh, yeah. So gosh, I, I don't know. It was just a whirlwind, and like I would never do that short of a time again, but. It made it happen, I guess, was kind of that deadline mentality of, we've got plane tickets, so we have to do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're committed now. These are non-transferable tickets. So how many people were in Alaska on this set? Yeah, I flew up um, four ca- uh, crew, I guess, and then three actors. Um, so we had uh, my friend Leslie and Kyle I went to AFI with. My wife, Juliet, we met at AFI, the American Film Institute, and, uh, and then we brought a costume designer named Marky. So that's the crew of four. And then our cast, I found uh, three guys uh, just casting in L.A. through kind of like improv comedy connections and also just a local casting house and read for them, picked two people and said, hey, you want to go to Alaska in a few weeks and make a movie? And they all said, sure. <laughs> <laughs> And then we did the dreaded uh, live where you're shooting situation. And, oh, so um, you stayed in the, the cabin you shot at? Yeah, it, with all the people that we had basically just met. <laughs> so was that, was that regrettable? Like, No, I think uh, in the end I, I will never do that again either. No offense, guys. <laughs> um, but I just you, need you just space. gotta learn that like when when the shooting's done for the day, you like to just have some time to get away and chill out, and you don't get to when you live with those people too. Sure, yeah. It's, I mean, you literally spend every moment of every day with the people you work with so, and live with <laughs> and work with. So you were living all over each other. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Thanks, Jay Maskus. Um, yeah, it, it was like a little. There was never any like big tension fights or anything, but it just there was always like a little bit. Yeah, it was just some passive little, aggression coming out. And passive <laughs> aggressive, or crazy. Let's just get through this because then we'll be friends again. Kind of. Well, I'm, I'm looking. Experience. I'm looking at the photos in the Kickstarter campaign, which was successful, by the way. That's awesome. Yeah. And kind uh, of. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> it well, it's all Kickstarter is all or nothing, right? So if you don't meet your goal, you don't get any funding. Right, and then you you go into the Kickstarter having the money already, and then you finish off how much your friends didn't pay. So <laughs> ah, so that's that, that, that's the behind the scenes trick. This magic angel investor at the end that rescues right. you is yourself. Yeah, yeah. It all, it, if anyone's successful, it's either your celebrity or you you did that. I um, see. You so just, what? <laughs> I mean, it looks like we raised five grand, and in the end, it was kind of like. <laughs> kind of a long story short was we wanted to hire this great camera guy to come up with us but we couldn't afford him unless our Kickstarter was fully successful on its own right um, and it really wasn't we probably raised more like 3000 or so and then the rest we finished our, with our own money that's still I mean that's not bad and it, not at all it makes sense to uh, to kind of pad it out because I know what is it Indiegogo is uh, it's more like charity style. So any money you collect, you keep, even if you don't make your funding goal. But of course, you can't do the 
Silicon Valley success story if you're not like, my funding goal was 10 grand and we raised 10 million. Well, and it seems like <laughs> a lot of Kickstarter, well, there's a wide variety, but some of them are like, we need this capital to make this device. Right. And if you don't meet your funding goal, presumably either you were asking for more than you needed or yeah. you won't be able to make your thing. Yeah. yeah, I really enjoy Kickstarter's do or die aspect, and I think it's that suspense that helps people donate more. That I've seen so many Indiegogos that are like, "Help us raise money for our movie, forty thousand dollars," and then they raise two. Right. And it's like now they just get to keep that, and it's just like yeah, and well, not make people, people may be less inclined and to don't give. make it. Exactly, especially when I see they need forty, and I know they're going to get two. And you're like, oh, they're fine. They don't need my five bucks. <laughs> So the yeah. I'm I'm looking at pictures of the cabin. Are, was it really this remote, or is this just clever editing? Because it looks like it's in the middle of godforsaken nowhere. It it really is. Their uh, <laughs> their little town up there, Willow, I think population like sixty seven, one of those kind of things. Yikes! It's like they have a gas station and a deli, and that's it. They have a post uh, office. Come on, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, 1,658, according to Wikipedia. All right. So, so they're, basically the they're... population of the building I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they're about two hours outside of Anchorage. I mean, technically it's middle of nowhere. It's close to the main highway up to the uh, Denali National Park. Um, but still just like, you know, a stop in the middle of nowhere, basically. Is that – I mean, I've never been to Alaska. Is that – par for the course or is it I mean it, it doesn't seem like a densely populated state yeah par for the course is a good way to say it um, once you're outside of a city what are you going to do you know it's just <laughs> hunt moose <laughs> yes. helicopters that's right I actually I have to ask did you see any moose any we did see moose yes I don't know why that just <laughs> I feel like a trip to Alaska would be wasted without at least one moose <laughs> yeah Especially yeah, moose. Yeah, and uh, no bears, thankfully, though, because we are definitely in bear country and bear time of the year. And uh, oh yeah, I, I guess think, they're doing all their hunting at that time to like stock up for winter. Yeah. So so was that like culture shock for L.A. actor people? That's a great. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I I think the most fun I had was watching uh, my producer slash cinematographer Leslie uh, react to being he's a lifer LA guy and then this is his first time going out to some kind of you know remote cabin this experience and it was just kind of fun like he didn't have some meltdown but he just, he just had this like amped up to eleven like reaction <laughs> to everything look trees. Well, didn't you guys like go into the Walmart in Wasilla or something? Uh, yeah, that was the closest like town where there's stuff like Walmart and uh, is like 45 minutes away. So that became our like, you know, society. And, like, <laughs> like you lower your standards very quickly over you know what excites you to drive by. <laughs> Take that, all of Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, do you think the like the kind of project you know the 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 whirlwind you said you didn't really care to do again? But how did you feel about the story and, and you know this this type of, of movie? I think uh, I'm completely happy with how it turned out and what 
my brother and I were able to whip together as far as like a scripted story. Um, I feel like in the 12 years between shooting and features that I learned so much about storytelling and uh, I was able to write a quick script in a couple weeks that was satisfying and I think more than anything we just wanted to celebrate kind of our strange quirky sense of humor and take advantage of being in Alaska and I think we succeeded on all fronts there. You think is the goal to keep making more features? Do you want to do TV stuff? Are you secretly trying to make Kellogg's commercials? <laughs> Where would you like to go with it? Um, you know, I think the, the goal for this was um, originally started out as uh, kind of like a calling card to make another thing we actually had ready to go, but just needed a bunch of money for. Um, <laughs> I, and it's funny to kind of go to go full circle. I rewrote the script of the first movie I made and made it into like you know like Hollywood style sports comedy, and uh, we love it. It's great indie comedy kind of quirky thing about homeschooled cross country runners, and uh, but we would need probably like two hundred thousand dollars to make that thing. And so we're like, hey, how do we raise money? You should make a movie to show people you can make movies first. Oh, so the, it's it's uh it's the the proof of concept product. Look, I can really do this. Yeah, basically, and it was like, and to me also, like I, I went to this really expensive school called the American Film Institute, and it was like, I spent so much money to go to this place. I need to make a movie to show that like I learned something and it was worth it. <laughs> and, yeah, I I feel like you know, and I've been out of school for about three years now, and I think. A big thing is kind of looking at each other that we went to school with and going like, "Who's going to make a movie now?" And none of none of us have made a movie yet. And I was like, "I'm tired of waiting around. I don't know about you guys. I'm going to get something together. I don't care how cheap it is." And uh, you know, made a feature film. And I was kind of like one of the first ones, uh, not the first one for my class to make a feature film, but like to come out of school and be like, "Let's just start making stuff, guys," because we're all sitting around. What are we waiting for? That's a great theme of. The Je- Jordan Jesse Go podcast. That guy just was just like ten years ago, or however long ago he started podcasting. He's just like, uh, I'm just going to do this now. Yeah, yeah. keep doing it. That <laughs> was my first podcast I ever listened to. It was like, oh yeah, podcasting can be cool and funny. And, um, yeah, I love those guys. I feel like people who get creative degrees don't like they have the initiative to be creative in their personal life but not in their professional life so then you end up with someone who has you know a hundred thousand dollar degree or worse and they're like yeah now i'm gonna go get an office job that i could have done straight out of high school and hate myself <laughs> yeah that's my life now um, <laughs> now you're I like can't now you're get... a filmmaker <laughs> yeah no i uh yeah i guess it's just how how you look at it um I'd rather have just a job now. I don't care if I'm a filmmaker or not anymore. (laughs) It's not the inspiring just before the fourth quarter speech. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of been joking around with with my wife about it too. It's like now that I've made one, like a real one, like my other one was, it was a movie, but I wouldn't say it was like a real feature film. Um, now that I made one, I could retire and like, I'm happy, (laughs) like, Hey guys, I made one. I don't care if I do this anymore. Um, 
thanks for your help. I feel like that <laughs> might just be like late project fatigue of like you're sure. still finishing it and you're like, eh, I'm gonna like play PlayStation for a couple months <laughs> after this. Yes, hopefully I get that too. But you'll get the itch back. You'll just be like, I want to tell another story. You might get addicted to the applause. So when you're at the <laughs> the, the first screening, when everybody's like, "That was amazing," you're gonna be like, "I need more of that." <laughs> more people and that must tell me I'm a genius. <laughs> yeah, he, I can't. Guys, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> I can't think of his name, but there's a a movie about. It's with um. The young, like, inner-city black kid, and then Sean Connery. Oh, that's Finding Forrester. Finding Forrester. And he yeah. wrote the one amazing book. And everyone's always like, you have to write another book. And then he, like, Just catcher a in a ride Yeah. <laughs> catcher in a ride So, mate, hopefully Detective, Detective, Detective will not be your... Your whatever the hell his book was called, opus, an, an opus. Of yeah. That's yeah. funny because the uh, the the mystery in the film, uh, the LARP we made, the, the mystery is what happened to a missing author who made like kind of a one hit wonder book. <laughs> so it's very um, meta. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm I am becoming like Adrian Belmont myself. And that was actually one of the most fun things for me, even though you don't really have any moment in the movie to hear about it i made up these fake synopses of his famous books uh are they on dust jackets that are only yeah. readable if you can see the movie in 4k or something yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> we, we have a great jacket. dust jacket <laughs> so you have to like know where that scene is pause it you know and then have a csi person who's like enhance bouncing off of six reflections and <laughs> That's, oh, so now you just vastly increased the like fandom. Like, oh, we have to find all six dust jackets that are in the movie. <laughs> Achievement unlocked. Yeah. Um, so um, you said your your wife does she work? She is an editor. Yes, and um, she made uh, she's worked on a couple of TV shows and indie features and i then kind of stole her and used her for this film and she edited my film and now she's done and she's already on to her next one and her next two at the same time actually which is really exciting for her <laughs> so I'm, I'm always curious about people in your situation when you you come home and you say i'm gonna quit my job and go to alaska for a month <laughs> And make a movie. Wish I mean, she's in your industry, so is she like, that's awesome, I totally support you. Or was she like, no, there are bills. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm the former, luckily, somehow she said, um, that's great, I'm sick of hearing you talking about making a movie, just go do one. <laughs> Please go away for a month and come back with a movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and then it, it's great to get to involve her, too. You know, like, I'm making work for her, basically. Um, and yeah. my pa- payment to her was uh, a new iMac and a new desk chair. So, Oh, there you go. Anyone in the creative industry can always be bought off with an Apple product. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, And that's kind of like one of the, you know, hindsight now is, yeah, I went and made a movie. Would I have quit my job to do it all over again? And I guess I would have just based on the job that I had. It was uh, it was just miserable. Like no nobody should be required to do the work I was doing. Um, not so much the work, but just being treated that kind of like low level assistant kind of position where people just like treat you 
like you're not quite human, so they can tell you whatever they want, and then whatever mood they're in, you got to deal with. Um, so technical just, support. So everyone in your in your life was the talent. <laughs> yeah, and and I was just it was miserable of being kind of treated less than human, and like I I don't know, it's just so like unprofessional to like the full extent of like the worst version of like what LA does to people of that entitlement and that like, well, I'm doing this like ad campaign for so-and-so company. And like, that means that you have to run this hard drive out and I have to treat you like, you know, so that was kind of like the job I was in. And again, it's an entry level position that like there's entry level positions all over LA. So like if I quit it, like I could probably go get another one if I really wanted to subject myself to that torture again. Um, (laughs) So I didn't have any problems quitting that job, and um, so it, it wasn't a hard decision to make at all. Yeah, that that sounds awful. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm with you on that. And uh, it's funny that actually the one of our brothers I cast in the film, I met him at this job, and he kind of led the way. He quit before me, um, and then a few months later, I followed him. I'm like, hey, I'm quitting too to go make a movie. You just want to be in it? And he was like, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> Because we had this like experience together of both working at this place, and that became like a a reference for us to uh, for his character. I'm like, just pretend that you spent all day at this place, and that's <laughs> your motivation. So, just pretend you are you haven't yet quit your job to come do this. <laughs> exactly. So that is that like that seems the way things really probably happen in the film industry is it's not like there's this casting call and there was a room full of identical looking young gentlemen who fit the description. You just were like, Hey, you guy, I know come, come be. (laughs) Yeah. I think, uh, and like, I've been like, you know, like really seriously looking for actual, just like a real job kind of work in LA since I've got out of school for like three years now. And, um, the only work I've ever gotten is through people I know. Uh, I've never just applied to a place and like, you know, did a call or like a, you know, audition type of like, here's my resume. Am I good enough? I've never gotten one of those jobs. It's only been through somebody I've met. Yeah. It seems like that like networking is crucial in, in normal people industries. I would think in, in, in right. Hollywood, that it's way worse. Like everything is completely incestuous. I mean, in fact, it's even celebrated sometimes. I mean, look like Johnny Depp and uh, and Tim Burton be like, oh, they're making another movie together. And it's like there's like a lot of other actors. Well, the, the, one, <laughs> the one that gets me is video games are now just using Hollywood actors for voice acting. I'm like, there's yeah. voice actors yeah, that people, want yeah, that's work. their actual performers. <laughs> yeah. And we always talk about that, too, with, like, uh, last night we were really tired and ended up watching Turbo on Netflix. Oh, Turbo? The like, snail Pixar lookalike? Yes. Oh. Uh, snail runs the Indy 500. Oh. Uh, we can, I think that's kind of the second half of the podcast. Um, <laughs> but we're just, we're just talking about, like, cartoons today are only about, like, the celebrity you get to voice the character. And they even animate the characters to look like the celebrity. Like, yeah, it's a it's There's, a snail, but that's Paul Giamatti. I, I got <laughs> like, I gotta find it. There's a picture of like every DreamWorks character and how they all at some point do the half smile with uh, uh, with the eyebrow raised, and it's like <laughs> you don't have to make every character in every movie. They make just this take face. the the eye 
brow yeah. and mouth, and then they draw the actual character around it every time. <laughs> yeah, like, well, it's, it's just a like a copy and paste. Yeah. yeah. It, in fact, if you type all DreamWorks characters into Google, <laughs> the first autocomplete is look the same. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think Turbo is <laughs> any different. same face. <laughs> so how was Turbo? It, Oh no! Um, <laughs> Not so I don't really want to answer that. <laughs> I, I've completely because I'm I'm a big Disney person. It hasn't come up uh, on the podcast yet, but I'm like a huge Disney fanboy. Um, so you know, Pixar movies obviously kind of follow along with that, and I've kind of given uh-huh. up on on DreamWorks. Like they just I, they consistently I, put out crap. Yeah, I was very disappointed. Um, <laughs> I just. I, we didn't. I mean, I didn't know. I knew what to expect on some just because I looked. I thought it looked like a really dumb idea for a movie that you just made a movie out of, um, and it was that. So, uh, <laughs> and a, a, yep. a snail wants to run the Indy Five Hundred. What? Okay. Um, it was just like half the movie was spent trying to convince you that that's like a funny, cute idea, but it's really just like. Eh. So half the movie Did is anybody being like, please it? respect our movie. Half the movie is a pitch <laughs> for the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, who who wanted this? Like, who out there is, like, meeting the audience need for, like, ah, oh, finally the snail who runs the indie... Wait, what? Yeah. The, well, like, I mean, this is... It's, it's copycat syndrome. Because the... Uh, like, if Pixar said, oh, we're going to make a movie about a snail that runs the Indy 500... Your default assumption would be like this is this will be amazing. Well, it's a, bug, a bug's life and ants oh, in God. cars. Yeah, a, a bug's life I think came out like a month before ants. So definitely a Pixar guy was at a cafe talking. He and wasn't a, supposed to say what he was yeah, working. And at. a DreamWorks guy was like, "A bug movie? That's what we'll do." And it's like, no, you can't just make a movie about bugs. We'll get Woody Allen. <laughs> and you oh, know th- that's. There it is, right? The celebrity. They're like, we have the rough idea, and we'll just attach famous people to it. Yeah, and Pixar's like, we got Kevin Spacey. This is cool. And they're like, no, no, no. Woody Allen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. So, uh, so the movie is. Were there any like redeeming qualities? Do any recent DreamWorks movies have any redeeming qualities? Animated specifically. Yeah. Um, Ken Ken Jong plays like an old Chinese nail salon. Is it woman. The, the comedian? The guy yes. from Community and the, the Hangover, the hangover yeah. movies? Yeah. He was always funny. Um, and then some reason Samuel L. Jackson had like five lines and Snoop Dogg was funny. Was he a sassy black guy? They were sassy black snails, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Poor Samuel L. Jackson. is old enough that... It was still common for people to be like outwardly racist when he was young, and he now has a career where people are like, "Say something black." <laughs> yeah. Oh, but yeah, it doesn't don't... help that Tarantino just uses him as that in every single. Movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it's made him very successful, but part of him's got to just be like, "Please let me do something else." Even the <laughs> the Capital One commercials he does oh, are like. We're just going to record you being Samuel L. Jackson and talking about this credit card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, what are you going to do? I, I'm, so I, I had to grab this image off Google, the, the eyebrow lift image, and I just saw a, a screenshot of the Croods. Was that DreamWorks? Because uh, 
Was it? It was Sony, right? It it might have been. But it, so you said you know you were bored and you turned on Turbo and then, DreamWorks. And, okay, so okay. Here's the thing. So about a week and a half, two weeks ago, my buddy and I were bored. So we were flipping through Netflix, and he was like, "Oh, The Cruise," and I was like, "I don't know, man. It's a DreamWorks oh, no. movie." <laughs> And we literally did not make it through the opening scene because I I, I tried to watch that too. Yeah, I just I had this moment where I thought I have Netflix, like that money is already spent. I don't have to watch this movie. I can uh, turn this off right now. It's just it's one button on the controller, and then this will be this part of my life will be over. Oh it's like I can't imagine ever doing that with a Pixar movie. Like, even if the first five minutes were horrible, which wouldn't happen, you would still tough it out. And 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 that's just the care, the care they put into making sure that every section of five minutes does not suck. (laughs) Um, Especially the first five. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I just feel like watching any of these, trying to watch the crudes or turbo or whatever. I just I don't think the scripts have ever gotten to a place where, like, you need that refinement that, you know, Pixar does. Well, I'm just thinking, like, uh, has a DreamWorks animated movie ever had a sequence, like, up? Or, you know, where you're just like, whoa. Yeah. Did they do Iron Giant way back in the day? Ooh. Maybe. Because um, maybe that was back in, like, the, the early days when some of the auteurs were still around. Yeah, all the guys who quit and went and <laughs> worked for Pixar. But that's Brad Bird, who... That is Brad Bird. Who but, went so, Anyways, yeah. Yeah, so, so at the very end, and spoilers, I guess, for anyone who hadn't seen this 20-year-old movie. Hey. <laughs> but at, at the end, when, um, like, the the giant is, like, flying up, and he's he knows he's about to die, and he closes his eyes, because he barely speaks the whole movie. Vin Diesel. It, yeah. It, oh, that's right. It is him. Uh, oh, weird. yeah. Joss Whedon wrote it. Yeah, but he, like, right before he's going to kill himself to save everybody, he closes his eyes, and he's like, Superman. And, like, uh, like that's no... Find me another DreamWorks movie that has had a similar scene since then. I, I question <laughs> that it exists. So yeah. Iron Giant came out in like ninety, oh ninety nine. Holy crap! It actually came up last night because I just got Titanfall for PC, and there's just one of them look like that. I mean, not that retro that future, re- but <laughs> there is sort of this like fondness of like your Titan is running towards you and it grabs you and puts you in it, and you're just like, yes, I'm safe. Now. <laughs> oh, right, because the beginning of every battle, you are stupidly outside of your mech. Well, it's like, supposedly it's in orbit, and it comes down after a couple minutes, but uh, if you kill guys faster, it comes down sooner. That teaches a weird lesson. It's 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 a game mechanic first, and... Right, and, and has Retrofitted to a story. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but that, no, that that's awesome, because you're like... It, it's like an entity that you identify with. Well, it like follows you around the map if you're not in it, and you're just like my buddy. Oh, <laughs> it's uh, kind of like the. Uh, well, no, not. It's the other one. They made that game. Um, Shadow of Colossus, guys. Wasn't there some new game that never came out? Oh, oh yeah, the Last Guardian. The la- um, No crap. <laughs> That's what it was called. The Last Guardian. I, am I thinking of a different game? I might be, but The Last Guardian also never came out. That's where you have the giant cat squirrel. Yeah. 
that thing. Thing, creature. <laughs> yeah. Was it the... They were called Majin, I think. Yeah. So the, yeah. those games are so highly regarded, but their controls are so bad. Well, okay. So uh, did you play did Shadow you of the Colossus? Up, when there? No, I'm, I'm free to talk about <laughs> Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, so, go for it. Did, did, so have either yeah. of you guys played it? Yeah. I got yeah. through maybe five Colossi. Did you play it when it was new? Yes, PS2. Okay. So I didn't play it until they did the re-release on PS3, and I got... That's even worse. Oh, my God. I think I got three in. And then, like, you can ask my wife. I just... Fortunately, this is before my daughter was born. I would just be on the couch just screaming obscenities <laughs> at the television, which is... I haven't really done that since I was, like, 12. So... <laughs> I, this I, game brought some down. Did you play Eco? No. Which and I Eco won't now is, because I'm afraid of the controls being horrible. Eco is terrible controls. <laughs> it's also the longest fetch quest of all time. Or not escort, no, escort mission. mission. Yeah, escort yeah. mission. Well, that is the whole game. It's just grabbing someone by the uh, wrist and being like, Come uh, on. <laughs> "Shut up!" <laughs> and just she, like, like cries out all the cliches of, "Oh, it's a girl character. She must be helpless." Yeah. And just, Come on. Well, are, is that one of those like art house games where they're the only two people you ever see? Yeah, everything else is a shadow monster. Yeah, because the the original Japanese box <laughs> art is very like it's way back. It's like watercolory, and well, then the stupid American box art is like this action hero close up. Yeah, on their yeah. faces, it's all terrible. They did. Um, someone did a comparison of Japanese and American game box arts. And the one I thought was the most ridiculous was in Japan, Kirby is, like, all smiley because he's a friggin' cotton candy lump. <laughs> and then in America, they, Does like... look pissed? They, yeah, they push his eyebrows down and, like, furrow them and, like, turn his, fr- his smile like, upside ripping down. ripping the heart out of someone? No, that's yeah, the thing. Badass it, Kirby. It's, like, the exact same artwork. He just looks angry. <laughs> and it's like, oh... American children won't be ide- be able to identify with an anthropomorphic <laughs> cotton candy lump unless he looks angry with the world. Yeah. Is it just like American box art is the marketing departments so are just way more in charge and they're like, well, it's got to have a big sword and it's got to have eight review things all over it. and Yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. It just can't ever be... So I've seen a new trend is like original. The, the new yeah. the new overpriced Metal Gear has a reversible sleeve, so they can have like the marketing people get the initial cover, the stupid. But you crap. just flip it around and you get the artsy cover. Yeah. Okay. Which, yeah. And it, it seems like any game that's really successful um, that they re-release later, they re-release it with the Japanese cover, and it's like yeah, <laughs> like maybe you should have just done that the first time. <laughs> I know. And I, I feel that way a lot about movie posters too whenever you see oh, like man. alternative versions you're like oh back to back what are all the other cliches yeah, yeah. well um, if it's a buddy comedy they're back to back yeah back to back like arms anyone, crossed does anyone ever stand that way in real life ever for any reason <laughs> how do you find yourself if, in that position yeah. if and only if they're posing for a photo yep. <laughs> yeah. okay so I want you guys to stand back to back and cross your arms like this is really weird how do I what <laughs> why would anyone ever stand this way this is how we've always done it. I wonder if in history, did anyone ever stand that way before the camera existed? 
Yeah, was it like for painting? Just like <laughs> you know, it's like you're leaning against a wall, but the wall is someone else who's also leaning against the wall. <laughs> it's like oh, like somebody saw like two people get surrounded by enemies, and they're like, "That's that's a great situation. Look at them back to back, like you know, protecting themselves." Yeah. But let's not. <laughs> yeah, but let's give no danger. context. <laughs> yeah. So I know, but it's a romantic comedy. So <laughs> who's attacking them? So I, I have to. So bring that's it, all you knew. What are you to, getting attacked or something? <laughs> I have to bring this back a little bit. Do you have? I, I've seen the the poster for Detective Detective Detective. Do you have like fifteen versions, or do you just have the one? We ha- we could only just afford the one. Um, we wanted to make epic kind of it looks like, like a, adventure movie. Looks like a Goonies poster or something. Yeah, definitely. No, our I like the. It, it's not. Um, or Indiana Jones or Star Wars. Like, what do you What do you call that painting style? That's mm, fres- fresco Jesus style. <laughs> that style. <laughs> it does yeah. not look like fresco Jesus. <laughs> Although, I would absolutely go see a movie that just had that as the poster. <laughs> no wording. <laughs> Nothing else. Just fresco Jesus, hey. May 15th. <laughs> like, I would just show up on May 15th to, like, to see what happens. Shut happened. up and take my money. <laughs> what if the movie was just fresco Jesus? <laughs> For ninety minutes, just it was a just still pan and scan, uh, like a like an auto generated photo collage. Like Ken Burns, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like it'd be like a mystery caper across the world. Like who really painted this fresco Jesus? It's showing up all over the place, you know. Would you just would, no music, no dialogue, just no <laughs> yeah. title, no credits, just ninety minutes of fresco Jesus. That see that sounds almost it's like, like an, an Andy art- Warhol. Yeah, it's, it's, that's an art installation somewhere. And then outside, everyone tries to decide where to go drink coffee and smoke clove cigarettes so they can talk about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sorry, e-cigarettes, and that was the cool thing. Do they do e-cloves? <laughs> can you? I think that would be the hipsterest cigarette I'd ever seen. <laughs> Called e-cloverfield. Yeah. Uh, oh boy! <laughs> I, okay, so I'm I'm talking with two movie people. What did you guys think of? I mean, this is a huge leap from where we started, but I don't care. What <laughs> yeah, did you th- matter. What did you think of Cloverfield? I enjoyed it. Yeah, Justin? I had fun. Okay. Yeah, I, I I I don't I remember seeing it, and I just remember it was like, oh, it's like right around shaky cam movie. Um, yeah, and I remember I was okay. I don't I haven't really ever gone back to like revisit it, so. Which, I mean, so you can probably appreciate um, the camera that they were supposedly using and the camera that they actually used were right. like yeah. an order of magnitude difference in quality. Yeah, But, I mean, just being involved in audio work a lot, everything is about cheating for the better result. <laughs> like, Well, it was one of the... Because Cloverfield was one of the early like super viral like the website you had to like yeah. solve puzzles to unlock parts of the website yeah. they really JJ. tried to like yeah he really tried to like engage the fan base which is cool but they made a huge deal about the camera they're like yeah it's shot on this piece of crap like <laughs> consumer camera no, no, and then yeah, it's like no <laughs> no in fact it's shot on like a, this $10,000 mini rig that no normal person would ever carry and the battery would not last that long, and the tape would have run out of space. It was just like but nothing was, checks out. There was like the the whole phenomenon of all the POV movies sort of becoming a thing. Like 
paranormal activity. Do, do you think we have Blair Witch wreck. to blame for that? Always Blair Witch. Yeah. <laughs> Always blame Blair Witch. You That's never go full Blair Witch. A B B W. It's it's like ABBA, but more witches. <laughs> so, which I actually never saw. Like that came out at a time in my life where I was just like, I don't give a crap about this movie. And then now that I'm an adult, it's it's people like, I'm swearing in the back. woods, and yeah. then they get stuck in the corner. <laughs> yeah, I, just like detective, detective, detective. <laughs> Pretty much, people swearing in the woods. Is detective, detective, detective rated R? Is it NC seventeen? Uh, we 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 earned our PG thirteen. You earned it with your yeah. your single use of the F word. <laughs> Pretty yes, much. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, so how does that... I mean, I know the rating association. How does a a small-budget guy like yourself... Because it seems like a big, imposing thing to send a movie to the MPAA to be rated. Or can anybody just do that for 10 bucks? Uh, No, it's definitely imposing, and it's political, and, you know, it's who you know and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't even think about it, no. I mean, there's never a reason for me to... Imagine a rating having anything to do with the success of my movie at this point. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, is it expensive? Is it time-consuming? I imagine. I've never actually spoken to anybody who's had to do it. Is it like a negotiation of, like... Oh, are you... You're you're honest to God not rated? You just think it's PG-13? Yeah, I mean, it would be. Just because of, like... It would be PG, except then there's a word that makes it PG-13. <laughs> <laughs> one one particular So does that affect your ability to do like a broad release since it's unrated? Um, if it was getting released, no, I don't think it would matter. Um, just with an independent film like this, um, they would go and rate it and then uh, oh, so it'd be part of the distribution package. It'd be like, oh, and then we'll go get it approved by MPAA. Like it's just part one of those checklist things you just do. Pay okay. off that mafia. That I, I don't <laughs> do, but yeah, if somebody was to distribute us, they would take care of all that. Um, so you're doing a screening, but it doesn't have to be rated. So do you just have to advertise that it's unrated, or like how does that? Do, do they just not care? They're like, yeah, whatever, it's unrated. Yeah, I mean, festivals don't care, and then having your own screening is just getting people out there because they know you and you're interested in the project. Uh, the rating of it was never an issue. Mm. It's you know, we we outsiders, we laymen such as myself. <laughs> like I just you you assume every movie is rated by the MPAA. Every Nintendo uh-huh. game is E for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not kids to adult like it used to be. <laughs> oh my god, it yeah. did used to be that. K to A. Yeah. K to A. Well, is, is it Australia that does the Peggy system? Yeah, because every trailer you watch is Peggy 14. Yeah. That's, Peggy. It's like nothing about this trailer would make me know Peggy. this is an, an Australian commercial, except the first thing you see is, boom, Peggy 14. <laughs> then the trailer starts. Like, I don't know. I can see an Aussie like, Peggy. Yeah. Some, I mean, some lady named Peggy. <laughs> I guess we do this. We do the same thing where every trailer starts with the it's all black and then the huge letter in the middle E for everyone, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's like, yeah. the the green red band, the green for yeah. movies. Yeah, it's, it's really subtle culture smashing. Because yeah. I feel like do other countries have? They must have an MPAA oh, or I mean, so, their yeah. their version. Yeah. Unless they're just are they subservient to Hollywood or do they have their own? No, they're all their own, and they're all higher. 
Are they all their own mafia to pay off for that country? I would think so. If if there is money to be made, if you can go to a road that someone else built and for a hundred dollars build a toll booth, (laughs) like that's (laughs) someone will build that toll booth. The only reason the roads aren't covered in toll booths is because the government would stop you. No, we're the only toll booth people. Exactly. (laughs) We (laughs) get to be the toll booth. So if someone else is making a product and distributing it, and they won't stop you from coming in and being like, oh, um, you have to pay me $10 before you can put your product out there. There's always one of those guys. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that, and, Gosh. I mean, I don't know what other purpose the MPAA serves. They're protecting our children. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, because I know as a parent that if I saw a trailer for a zombie slasher movie that was rated G even though the trailer was filled with boobs and blood and gore and cursing, <laughs> that if it said G at the end, I'd be like, oh, well, <laughs> let's go. This is fine for children. Conscience clear. Yeah. Four-year-olds can go. And, I mean, it's it definitely is political because I know um, a lot of movies you can tell. Is it just the 80s that did this to us? Just well, I, conservative no, I, revolution? I think, I think it was the Finding 90s. That. Because movies in the eighties that were PG, th- think about some of the movies you There's saw in like the eighties. Swearing were- in like early Spielberg. And- yeah, and now it's like a movie has to be rated R before they can get away with anything. It's yeah. Like, so and really, it's we become, have G, it's a Super G, thing. PG, yeah. and then R. Well, I just hate how it, it affects the storytelling because I don't need boobs and lopped off heads to have a good story. Agreed. But. Yeah, but if somebody says the F word twice, now they have an R rating, and they're like, well, we might as well run with it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And like, that's I, like. I would love to have PG movies that aren't just for kids that yeah. tell really amazing stories, but it's rare. No, it, no. It, um, what's the movie they just did recently with the giant robots piloted by two guys? They never, oh, the Guillermo del Toro, the Pacific Rim. Pacific yeah, yeah. Rim, yes. So. My friend and I, we saw the movie together, and because he rented it, and he was like, "Oh, we should watch this." And I was like, "Well, you paid for it," and I kind of wanted to see it. And the whole time, he was like, "This movie is so PG thirteen." This movie, <laughs> and like for the first half of it, I was just like, "That's such a weird way to assess a movie." And then by but the end, like I was like, it. "Yes." By the end, I was like, "Yeah, You're totally like the right. new RoboCop." The new RoboCop is PG thirteen. Yes. Oh, you just broke my heart. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's why I didn't want to see it. How do you go from what it was? So, yeah. was RoboCop 2 or 3 also PG-13? I mean, no one uh, cares about them, but... <laughs> 3 was kind of like, part, came out in the middle of that like PG-13 rage, where everybody's like, wait, what? Yeah. How can you make a PG-13 RoboCop? And they did, and then they did it again. And they're like, wait, an extra millions of dollars from teenagers? Yeah. And I, sure. I, I feel like, I mean, you kind of said it, dropping the cursing and violence and nudity level also automatically means they have to drop the quality of the story. I know, and why is that? I don't know. I don't understand. I, I guess they're... So the MPA rating has kind of become like this... It's like a reading level. So it's like, oh, if this is a G movie, it will only be enjoyable by children because that's the reading level of this movie. That's the viewing level, I guess. Yeah. Only adults will appreciate our movies, so we'll only put adult themes into an R movie. But even in getting a quality writer to come in and make something well done, like it's like good writers avoid it too. 
because they don't want to be stuck to the rating. Sure, problem. unless yeah. it, unless like, Pixar. Oh, you're, you're a PG. Yeah, it's like thank basically thank God for Pixar because <laughs> they, they are are one exception to the rule where it's like no, you can make things that aren't crap that for are funny to and everyone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, when I think back on '90s cartoons, I always think of Animaniacs. Yeah. My, oh, yeah. My wife just loves Animaniacs, so you know, a day we're like doing chores around the house, it'll just be on in the background, and I'll hear something, and I'm like, I remember hearing that <laughs> as a child, but I know I did not understand that the way I just understood. Like the that. fingerprints joke. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Dot's like, "Why would I fingerprints?" And then yeah. they show prints, and you're yeah. just like, "Okay." Whoa. Yeah, and it's like. <laughs> But that's awesome because it to a kid they're like haha that word is made up of two other words and then to an adult you're like holy crap whoa whoa yeah <laughs> yeah that's are the I guess um like SpongeBob kind of has that going uh-huh I think I'm just too old to have enjoyed SpongeBob much yeah it's I mean that's a that's the fake or, excuse yeah. for anything but or, or Adventure Time. Yeah, I've only seen the first season of Adventure Time, but that that's an amazing cartoon, and it's mm-hmm. it's got the silly faces and weird art style that every every cartoon has to have. Now. Yeah, um, but there's like smart humor in there. So who what what cartoon do you count as starting that modern Western wacky cartoon craze? Ren and Stimpy. That's what I would yeah, think no, of. No, right. I mean, it's certainly the one that springs to mind. If he's not responsible for it, he's getting the credit anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? John K or whatever. Yeah, John K. He apparently there was some like huge thing with him at Nickelodeon. Like, well, the second he was making Ren Stimpy outside of Nickelodeon, it got way nastier immediately. Yeah, he did those for yeah. MTV originally. Also owned by Viacom. <laughs> right. But, so that's weird that there'd be bad blood between those companies, unless maybe they weren't owned by each other yet was Nickelode- Nickelodeon used to be its own thing I guess not then, sure I don't, I don't know yeah I'm not gonna Wikipedia the, their whole history right now but yeah apparently they all like all those like the Doug Rugrats Ren and Stimpy people like the original Nicktoons mm-hmm. like they all ended up on two sides of that faction so there were like the Ren and Stimpy guy supporters and they're the Nicktoons supporters and they hated each other is the mm-hmm. story such a creative Gosh. bunch, though. I mean, like, Mark Mothersbaugh did the Rugrats theme, mm. went on to do all the Wes Anderson sound. Well, not all of them, because yeah. now what's not his anymore. name? Alexandre Tzpla. <laughs> uh, maybe there's more bad blood. <laughs> but, maybe he got tired of doing cutesy. Yeah, but I mean, that Rugrats is another one that, like, even... It, it's not quite as approachable to adults, but if you watch a couple episodes, you're like, no kid in the room just got that joke. <laughs> I yeah. hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Simpsons has always been good for that, though, I think. Um, Cartoons yeah. for adults. Yeah. yeah. Well, there, I felt like the Simpsons were, they leaned more the adult side, right? Like, it wasn't stuff for kids that wasn't terrible to watch if you were an adult. It was stuff for adults that the kids could be tricked into watching because it was animated. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you had Bart being a rebel and sure. relatable to... yeah. Ten-year-old boys, <laughs> which even like the, for angry uh, Kirby fans, <laughs> yeah, they, they always liken Bart to Dennis the Menace, and I yeah. think like, well, my 
parents know who that is, and I know who it was because I read comics, like newspaper comics. You when remember I was the a cartoon kid, but... or the the ill fated '90s live action that every oh. every single old thing had to be turned into like, Richie action. Rich. Oh yeah, because yeah. that kid played uh, the little kid from Rushmore. He was Max's friend. Yep. Uh, yep. You know the Richie Rich movie was okay. And the live action Dennis the Menace was okay. I don't think you can go back to Richie Rich and really. No, enjoy I'm it. sure I couldn't. But at the, at <laughs> you just the like, time. I remember my issue of Disney Adventures that had it on the cover. Yes. <laughs> oh, but gosh, yeah. The live action Garfields broke my heart because oh, I loved the Garfield cartoon. Can we not talk about so Alvin much. and the Chipmunks and no. Smurfs? And oh, no. I haven't watched either of those. Stuart Little. <laughs> uh, I haven't watched the the live action um, Alvin and the Chipmunks or Smurfs. Scooby Doo. You know the original one was okay. <laughs> it, it was okay, like it. But was, it was just cash in, like yeah. Tell the same story without the brand and pretty just much have a flop. Yeah, the the first one was because it like I loved Scooby it's like Doo, the mo- cartoon and it was true to the cartoon and then uh-huh. the sequel was just like can we keep making money with this <laughs> <laughs> I know it's so embarrassing it was on TV the other like some random Saturday afternoon I'm like oh gosh this is Scooby Doo and like looking at the CGI of Scooby back then like that was cutting edge really yeah, yeah that's uh. you know and if you look at a movie like Jurassic Park which came out Ten years before that, almost. Oh yeah, it's, you're like, oh my god, this looks amazing, and uh-huh. everything is really there. Even really Terminator Two. Yeah, yeah, always the big. And then uh, what happens between that and the the Matrix or today? Yeah. And and to me, like the current show on TV right now is like Once Upon a Time. Like I can't believe how bad the CGI is. TV Compa- shows are almost just, always. But then, if you go back and watch, why is like, that acceptable like, now? Voyager special effects. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, it's going back to the, <laughs> the cheap, bad. fast model. Yeah, Her- Hercules, Xena, where like you know this. I'm fighting a big eight-legged spider creature thing in the woods. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I like, not, I like 90s your TV effects because they look like like the low refresh rate. Monitors like the ghosting <laughs> as they move across, and you're like like Ghost Rider from PBS. I just I just rewatched uh, Next Gen Star Trek Next Generation not that long ago, and I think it's up through the last season or the second to last season where when you see the ship, it's still a model, like uh-huh. a professionally lit. Against a black background to represent space, and it—I mean—it looks amazing because it's, it's like Star yeah. Wars. Yeah, because it, yeah, because yeah, the, there's still even today, twenty-five years later, there's still room for that physical effect. Well, it's always the lighting that yeah. sells it, which always makes me wonder, like, why is the ship so well lit? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it's like every night in space. <laughs> every night scene ever in every movie and TV show ever is just spotlights all over them. And yeah. Like, or they're just running in a prison where they're following them. Yeah. Or, or the, it's, it's the couple in bed reading and the only light in the room is the table lamp and yet both of them are lit from both sides completely <laughs> Complete coverage. Evenly. Or you're, they're driving at night and you're like, are they driving into the sun? <laughs> <laughs> Why is their dashboard so bright that I can count their teeth? <laughs> it's probably yeah. 
you know, the horrible accident they're about to get into, it's because their dashboard <laughs> lights are so bright they can't see <laughs> yeah. anything. And we actually, we were just talking about Terminator 2 <laughs> offline the other day because I feel like... IRL. I, yes. <laughs> Our IRL characters, we're talking about it. But I feel like... Meet space. Someone... Oh, that, that one's the worst. Oh, <laughs> IRL grates on my nerves, but meat space makes me cringe. But I, yeah. I feel like someone at the, the CGI department for Terminator 2 was like, you know what effect we have really nailed down? Chrome reflection. <laughs> if we make him look like chrome reflection, this will look good a hundred well, years Well, they just from got now. done with the abyss, <laughs> yeah. and they're like, oh. Oh, what yeah, because of the this? orb. Yeah. 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 I feel computationally that must be a relatively easy effect. Because mm-hmm. it's like you take a picture of what it's reflecting, yeah, it's, and then it's, you map it. It's skin and hair and stuff with some light hits it, some life bounces yeah, off. Some like that absorbed. gets complicated. Yeah, that's super complicated. That was in uh, when Final Fantasy The Spirits Within came out. Another oh, yeah. terrible movie that I kind of liked. <laughs> we'll have another episode about video game movies. Yeah, but that they made a huge deal about her hair count. Like, the main character had, like, well, 70,000 Same with, like, yeah. Monsters, Inc. There are, like, 10 million hairs yeah. on Sully. Yeah, whereas with Super Shiny Metal Man, you don't have any of that. Zero. It's like one texture, <laughs> flat, reflective. And sometimes Robert Patrick just has plastic little aluminum. Physical whatever. effects. Yeah. It's like, we'll take this yeah. little piece of plastic and it staple it to real. his shirt and call it a day. <laughs> So I think as much as I would now want to talk about video game movies, I think we'll have to save uh, that. So, um, Justin, where can people find you and your movie and, and all about your stuff? Yeah, I, uh, I'm lucky I didn't have somebody steal my Twitter. I'm pseudo-Justin. <laughs> I'm so jealous. <laughs> I'm pseudo-JustinEverywhere.com, Twitter, Facebook. Um, and our movie... <laughs> Detective, detective, detective is, uh, you can see it on IMDb. We got, uh, I think I uploaded a trailer there. I don't know if they connected it yet. Uh, uh, but our I, website. I found the one on, on Vimeo. I'm going to throw in the show notes. Sure, yeah. Um, and that's the movie we made. And uh, we're going to try to get into festivals. So maybe it'll come soon to a city near you. Very cool. Mike? Uh, at M. Edwards Music <laughs> or pseudomichael.com. <laughs> And I'm uh, at Lions in Beta or lionsinbeta.com. Uh, this is episode 006. So Our be, seventh episode. And here, oh, boy. I thought the two back-to-back were going to kill you on that. But no, I we're then having two weeks no, break. Yeah, you got to recover. No, bring it back. Yeah, it so um, you could find the show notes with uh, the trailer for Detective, Detective, Detective. Uh, terrible pictures of DreamWorks characters and Kirby looking angry. <laughs> yes. At uh, flippingtablespodcast.com slash 006. So, Justin, thanks for being on. See Thank you, you very much for having me, guys. And, All right. Mike, I'll see you next week. All right. Happy birthday, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>